When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Breaking up is hard to do, but when it comes to your wireless carrier, you should have left a while ago. You're over the big three carriers. You deserve better. Xfinity Mobile. Now you can get unlimited with 5G included for just $30 a month on the nation's fastest, most reliable network. So break free from the big three and save with Xfinity Mobile. Take the savings challenge at XfinityMobile.com slash MySavings to see how much you can save when you get Xfinity Mobile and Internet together. Reduced speeds at 20 gigabytes per line. Most reliable based on Root Metrics U.S. report. Results vary, not an endorsement. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go. Every day giftable. Every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a Scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Alright, it's Film Study with Ken McCusick once again. Now, last episode, we really kind of did broad strokes at the draft. So now we're going to get to spend some time going deeper. And this week, we're going to go deep on Orlando Brown Jr. Ken McCusick, how are you doing today? Life's good, Josh. How about you? I'm, I'm doing all right. Not a bad week. Very busy week of work, but doing all right. It's close to the weekend, right? Busy's good. You're still employed. I can't say the same about a lot of the Orioles in a couple of years. <laughs> I would love to be able to perform the way they are and take home the paychecks that they're taking home. <laughs> oh, boy, what a mess. Right, right. Um, 
all right, let's just jump right into this. Uh, I think it, the Lamar. There's two controversial picks. One being Lamar Jackson, and we're going to get to that. Just not tonight. Hold on, that's coming. The other one is this Orlando Brown Jr. Yeah, Orlando Brown, a, a player a lot of people had pegged for the Ravens in the first round at number 16. Uh, was one of the best tackles coming out of the draft, a, along with McGlinchey. And Brown is a player, obviously, with Ravens roots and whatnot. But he then went to the combine of a something he had to do, but what did not work out well for him, as he had a historically bad combine performance. We don't need to go into everything there, the 14 bench reps and the, the horrible 40 time and whatnot. He just does not test well, certainly, at the Combine, and that uh, that did not work out for him. Do we, have a, uh, do we have any examples of guys in the league who have done poorly at the, at the Combine? Like a, a guy who's done really poorly at the Combine? I mean, there's been right. guys who have underperformed at the Combine. I don't think there's ever been anyone who is a major prospect like Brown who performed quite as poorly at the at the combine and if there was I need to be reminded of him okay but there have been players where the Ravens have derived value because somebody slipped at the combine so Terrell Suggs for instance had a pretty crappy 40 time as I recall it at the combine and one of the things he said coming out of that is how often do you have to chase the quarterback 40 yards you know so he, he he had decent you know shorter bursts and whatnot and, you know, they got Terrell Suggs, who had 24 sacks as a senior at Arizona and was, you know, one of the elite pass rushers of his era. They got him cheap at number 10 overall, uh, you know, after the all the funny stuff happened with not getting Byron Leftwich. Right. Now, I can just go to YouTube and Google in Orlando Brown Jr., and I can see all these highlights. The problem with YouTube is they don't show his lowlights. Yeah, that's right. You, you got you to gotta do that. And that's, that's a big bugaboo for me is... If you only look at highlights for any player, you can see a few traits, but you can't really see the consistency element. And consistency is so critical for offensive linemen. Uh, missing it is is missing you know half the story or more at the pro level. I will say this: at the college level, since there is so much variation in competition. I think trait-based scouting has a place in that you can look at certain characteristics of what players are doing and you can project more of how they do it to the NFL level. And that's probably why people you know, got attracted to the thing in the first place. In addition to it's easier to, to score a few highlights than it is to score every play that a player does. At, when we get to the pro level, it's a different question entirely. It's a different dynamic entirely. The, the level of competition is actually fairly tight. You're dealing with the right end of the curve, so you still have J.J. Watt you're facing on some days, and you still have a you know mediocre pass rush you're, you're facing on another day, but, but the difference, differential is fairly small compared to what the differences are like in college. And so, more than anything, it's all about how consistently can you make your blocks. And if I was to make an analogy to another sport, in baseball, you know, we look at three to 700 plate appearances in a single season as it's not only a reasonable representation of that offensive value, but it is also very significant in terms of its predictive value, right? So you have to get a 28-year-old player who's doing such and such in 400 plate appearances. You have certain expectations about what happens to him at 29, and it's not that everyone is going to be right on, but they have very significant you know, predictive portent. Um, maybe that might be redundant there, but whatever. Um, anyway, a point I'm making is 
each offensive lineman has roughly a thousand gradable snaps per year if they play the full year. That is too much to ignore to look at 10 and say, wow, look how we blocked on this play. Because you don't look at a power hitter's, you know, two to five or even 10 longest home runs and judge him as a hitter like that. Otherwise, Chris Davis would be I was gonna you know, say, one of the best players. <laughs> right. Other, otherwise, Chris Davis would be making the most money on your team. <laughs> yeah. Ne- well, never mind. Yeah. It's, a, it's a bad joke here, isn't All it? Right. All right. Well, so anyway, difference between college and pro. So what, 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 what did we try and do this time? Well, we looked at one game on YouTube. Um, and I see we, Maureen and I did it. Maureen always contributes tremendously to these kind of pieces. And looked at the game where I thought Orlando had the best possible competition. And that was the Ohio State game from early September of 2017. I believe it was on 9-9-17. If you want to see the game, look snap by snap. Highly encourage you to do it. You don't think you, you, you can scout NFL linemen? Just try it. Try doing it for a game and see, see what you notice about his play against some terrific competition. We'll get into that a little bit later. All right, so the, your key was to look for where he's up against a really tough team mm-hmm. and on the field most of the time. He's on the field every snap, and, and, and they rotated in a huge number of players, and every single one of them is just a, a, a top-tier talent. The Ohio State defensive line and their linebackers that went up against him, they have four guys who were drafted this year, the same year that this video was done, and they were all drafted between number 64 and number 102. Okay. All right. And so then they, they had, had a good defense. All right. Yeah. That doesn't quite do it yet. And then they had another guy, two guys actually, who were both freshman All Americans last year. And one of them, Nick Bosa, the younger bro- brother of Joey, is probably going to be one of the top picks in the 2019 draft. So, okay. Yeah. That's tough competition. I, I see where you're going with this. <laughs> yes. All right. It doesn't quite get it across, but yes, that's it. A very good competition. The other part of it is that they rotated assignments. So he had at least three blocking assignments against seven different players. And that really just goes to show you that, that Ohio State, even, and the quality of player they had, they didn't really want to have anyone pounding into Orlando Brown uh, consistently for an entire game because they thought it would wear him down. Right. And let him, right. And I'm sure give him different looks with different guys out there. Um, how much work did you take to pick this game? It actually was fairly easy. I, okay. I wanted, you know, I wanted to get a game that was out there. It had to be a game that I could add the full video out there on YouTube, right. not some sort of chopped up highlight crap. And then it had to be a game against a good opponent. And when you really get down to it, that OU OSU game early in the year was one of the really key ones in terms of of going through the the whole BCS rankings as the year went on. All right. So, what did you learn about Orlando Brown? Let's get to this and and see if we can take what you broke down as he played and what it could potentially mean in the NFL. Okay, so a whole bunch of individual observations. So we'll talk about that before we get to some scoring later on, but I do want to make sure we get to that. So the first is, one thing I look for in tackles is, how do they contribute in the run game? So we we project Orlando Brown to compete at right tackle and probably win the job in 2018. He doesn't really have a lot of competition on the Ravens. Some have said that uh, Hurst would be the right tackle. We've, of course, seen Hurst play tackle, and we like him a lot better at guard. But uh, anyway, we expect Brown to play right tackle. He's not taking Stanley's job at left tackle, and I don't expect he'll he'll move into guard. He's the kind of guy with his length. You'd be wasting him. Uh, and when I say length, he's 35-inch arms, 
and uh, you'd really be wasting that if you played it on the inside. Right. That, that's why they drafted him. It's because they need a right tackle. That's right. They need. They need. They really need two offensive tackles in this draft, and they got them. But we can talk about that another time. Right. Uh, with Greg Sinat later in the in the draft. So anyway, with, I talked about the run games, and if I go back in history a little bit, one thing I see is that the Ravens' larger right tackles, and they've had several of them, Willie Anderson, Austin Howard just last year, Bryant McKinney uh, was a tackle, not on the right side. Um, but they have, a, they have one thing they have in common a lot is that they don't contribute much when their play is run to the opposite side. And these are these foot-slow offensive tackles. Now, if the play's run to their side, they can make a, a, a point of uh, attack block that can be pretty effective, and you can pull on their side and run the power game. And I think that's what the Ravens mostly want out of Brown. But it was very surprising to see that he pulled on four separate occasions in this game. I'm not saying he did a, did a great job of it. One, he was just selling a play by pulling. So that it, was a, it was a boot towards his side, but they were selling the boot action. Sorry, they're selling the zone blocking to the other side. Uh, or power block, I should say, to the other side. And so he was selling a block. The other three, he made some level of blocking. Two of them were not totally impressive, but he still got a point on all four of these blocks. So he didn't completely crap out on them. And to see him used four times that way, even in a college game, indicates that he's got probably a little more mobility than than other people have given him credit for or our best testing would indicate from the 40 time. Okay. So anyway, that's positive. Um, I look at one other thing is how can right tackles often, but it could be a big left tackle as well, contribute on the backside of a run play, and often the case is with a cut block. So uh, what I'm talking about there is the right tackle usually cuts down onto the edge defender and sometimes can be a defensive tackle, sometimes can be a defensive end. Um, I'm sorry, defensive end or outside linebacker most likely on that side. Chop him down at the legs and get him to fall down and be out of the play. Uh, that's usually the only way in which they contribute, or often is the only way in which they can contribute. And what we've seen from past Ravens is they're typically told not to do that in games. There's a high injury risk that can come with that. And so McKinney, in particular, did not do any cut blocking. Willie Anderson, I don't recall doing cut blocking in 2008. So it it definitely could be something they tell him not to do. Right, right. They're going to take that away. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what else stood out with him? Okay, well, uh, you know, I think one of the things that Eric DaCosta mentioned on on the lounge when he was on there was that he, he mentioned Brown's physical nature on the podcast. And what I say, what I really would have to say about that is I didn't notice as much physicality from Brown as DaCosta is talking about. That may have just been a case of he didn't have those same opportunities to block to the echo of the whistle. You know what I mean when I say that is like what we saw around Ryan Jensen last year or like we saw out of Michael Orr in his rookie year and then like, never again after that. Like carrying it all the way through? Yeah, carrying it all the way through. So he continues to, to be really physical with the, uh, with the opposing player for as long as possible. Another player I've seen in just looking at Ravens history a little bit recently is, is Tony Pashos made a number of those blocks in 2006. So the Ravens have had right tackles who've, who've done a fair amount of that. And they had Ryan Jensen, of course, last year. But but that's one of the things I did not see out of Brown is he didn't, he didn't maintain those blocks particularly well. And he actually released his blocks a little early. It'd be the one criticism I really had in terms of the game against Ohio State. All right, so that's something you'd hope that with some coaching and some uh, minicamp, you can you can keep them holding on. Yeah, it, it, that, that's right. It, there is a story about this that Zeus Brown, his father, 
said he w- was going to leave his game and I think it, I'm not sure if it was in eighth grade or in or in high school and he said you know you're not being physical enough with your opponent if you're not physical enough with your opponent I'm going to leave the game I'm not going to I'm not even going to watch and supposedly he was physical with that guy and the way the article's written up is the, the other guy who was playing was 370 pounds and that's where the whole thing about me not believing the weights in the article didn't seem right. to exist right so in any case I I'm I'm sure he he really wanted his son to be physical. We'll see. I mean, he's a, he uses his length more than he uses his physicality is how I would how I would term it. And is that a because of his speed that he's got that length to make up for not great speed? Well, I think think of it this way. If the way an elephant moves around, they don't have to do a lot of of poking and prodding to prove their dominance over a specific area. And Orlando Brown, at least at the college level, is the same way. He's a very long guy, so he extends his arm and he almost gets a defender to either give up or run himself out of the play a lot of the time. So he doesn't have he doesn't have that same opportunity necessarily to uh, get to the body or, or to even, you know, push with his long arms for, for a for a while. But it's it, Think of like a ponderous elephant moving around. That all they have to do is kind of take a step to get in the way, and all of a sudden, that the there's a very circuitous route that that defender has to take to to get to where he thinks he needs to get to. Okay. We did see that, by the way, and these I mentioned how great the quality of competition was for Ohio State, and you know these four draft picks and a couple freshman All American besides that, but they had a tremendous aversion to contact with Brown. They were not running into him or trying to bull rush him, which is the other thing. Because, you know, a guy with long arms, if you can still get to the body, you can you can bull rush him in theory. But uh, they tried to use speed exclusively. And what, what happened was they ran themselves out of a lot of plays in so doing. So that was a big advantage of him at the college level. And we'll see if he can make that work at the pro level against some of the athletes there. All right. Um, what about level two? And you talk about guys moving into that level two. How did he do on, in this game? Yeah, good point. I mean, Brown made five blocks in level two in this game, so that's another indication of a little bit more mobility than we've given him credit for. That's a lot for a tackle, period. Um, two of them were highlight combination blocks, which means he helped on somebody's block at the line of scrimmage to get a defensive tackle squared up for the guard, and then he moved to level two and blocked the linebacker. And to do both of those things well is is a, it's a very nice thing to see out of a player like Brown whose game is mostly about the length, mostly about the pass blocking, and you don't really think of his feet as being particularly great. All right, that, that's exciting uh, if he can if he can actually continue that into the NFL. Yeah. Now, they, did a, they did a lot of things to help him, too, as a pass blocker, which is something we, have, we really haven't mentioned uh, yet. But they had him block to the inside a lot. I kept thinking, you know, I see him line up, and I'm saying – He's got to block the defensive end on this play, not the defensive tackle. But he would block the defensive tackle, who was a good player. It's it's Draymond, uh, Draymond Jones in this case. Draymond Jones, do I have that right? Anyway, Draymond uh, uh, was the player who was blocking. Draymond Jones is correct. This is a sophomore this year. But anyway, they, they, they had him blocking inside a fair amount and not blocking the edge rusher. And in fact, there's one play that really st- stood out to me where they had Eric Wren, the center, pull left to pass block Nick Bosa. Uh, rather than Brown picking him up, and and that play ended in a nine-yard sack, and I'm thinking this is a this is a lot of help to give your left tackle to try and block one of the elite pass rushers in the Big Ten uh, by having a center pull. It's just a very odd way of of doing it. But anyway, they did a lot of things to help him, and I think one of the things that kind of lines up with the Ravens draft is that Hayden Hurst 
should be able to help Orlando Brown on his side a fair amount since you got you pick up a pretty good blocking tight end. And I'm not saying Boyle could help in that way. Max Williams, to probably a, 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 an extent as well, could help to chip on the side with Orlando Brown and help him keep some of those edge defenders uh, uh, lined up for him to block more easily. All right. Um, let's get to scoring. When you really break down the, the points and, and numbers and all, how did you score him? Okay, we had 72 graded snaps in this game, and I believe there were two I excluded for reasons of video. Uh, he had 66 blocks on, on those plays. Five were missed, so that's not too bad. He allowed one quarterback hit. Uh, the quarterback hit came on a play where he apparently for blocked inside rather than blocking a guy outside. And you can tell by the way he turned back to the player rushing the quarterback that he thinks he did the wrong thing because he just kind of took a step inside, then then looked back and said, "Oh crap, I missed you know I missed the guy." And uh, Jerome Baker was the guy who got the quarterback hit on the play. So anyway, five missed, one quarterback hit, 63 points. That works out to .88 per play. So in a Without adjustment at the NFL level, that would be an A. And I think and that's the replacement level at the NFL would be an A, that means. And I think you'd have to say that the Ohio State defense this last year was at least at the replacement NFL level. So, uh, you know, a high-quality uh, set of players that he, he played against who he won't be stepping up too much in class in the NFL. So very positive from that standpoint. I think it translates well. It's only one game. But this is the kind of thing that I look at and I say, there was a lot more than I expected to Orlando Brown's game, and in some ways less, but but in a lot a lot of ways more than what I had expected to see. And I was very positive on that. Um, and I, I think he's going to have to still work very hard at the conditioning and strength requirements, but I'm a lot more excited with the draft pick after watching this game. Well, that's good to hear. That means you're, you're kind of seeing a little bit of what the Ravens saw and why the Ravens said, hey, let's take a chance on this guy. We have the hole. We have the need. We know this guy's family, and he seems to be the type of guy who could progress into this regular player. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it, what DaCosta made exactly that point effectively, that he dropped into their value range at number 83, that they were familiar with him personally. He'd been around the building for years, and they've, they've seen him. Um this is a this is a good point we need to make here. His interview uh, in front of the microphone is just fabulous. I could see why they fell in love with the guy. I mean, he's very specific, technical, intelligent. It's really worth listening to it. I mean, he, he and Ronnie Stanley, both very intelligent guys, playing playing the bookend tackles, are, are both impressive. But I'm I'm really impressed with Brown and the way he described the game technically, the way he described the game and differences that exist between his style of play and his dad's style of play. He said, yeah, his dad didn't have the same length as him, and so he had it was a more physical to the body guy who used to learn to use his hands over time. I mean, he's given all this, you know, Ravens history to us. He talks about all these offensive tackles that he watched play and learned the game from them. And it's a whole bunch of tackles that have played over the last twenty five years, not the last ten years, say. So it's like he's going right. back to see old film. It, the, the guy he mentioned is, you know, unfortunately, I didn't have a chance to go back and see Dan Deerdorf's film. Well, I mean, how would he even know that Dan Deerdorf is a great offensive tackle? I guess his right. stats probably take him to the Hall of Fame, he but did, still very did, impressive. Right. He did a little bit of Google in before his presser. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that might be it. It, it. It's worth a listen. It's out there on the on the Ravens website. And I, I would highly recommend you, you, you take a listen to that. There's also another podcast out there on the lounge called the lounge that was done with the after the draft that got into a lot of the reasons why they liked him. And they said 
you know, in the end, they just had to set the combine results aside and, you know, look at what they saw on film. They liked what they saw on film. They liked the value they got. And I think they did a, they did a pretty good job in this draft of allowing players to drop into their value ranges despite a broad set of needs. And Brown was just one of those picks. So, right. So, so uh, if you're, if you're into controlled media, you can check out the lounge podcast. Controlled media? Because oh, it's, yes, right. it's made by the Ravens. It so is the, made by the Ravens. You're not going to find anything bad about the Ravens on the Lounge podcast. No, that's, that is true, and they'll, they'll, they'll hit on the good things. But one of the things I like about DaCosta is that I think he's very honest and straightforward about the draft. I think Newsom was probably a little bit more secretive about what would go on. But DaCosta has been very honest over the years. And, in fact, there was a time long ago when, when the Ravens drafted Devon Drew, and DaCosta showed up after that draft to talk about the various picks that had been made, including Devon Drew. And he really said Devon Drew was Ozzy's guy. <laughs> right. He said it right then. He, was, didn't want, the, right. he didn't want ownership of that one. He did not want ownership of the right. pick. Well, then my question is, whose guy is Brashard Perriman? That's what I want to get down to. <laughs> who's, who's, taking, who's taking credit for this guy? Well, that's a really good question. I mean, obviously, we, we Perriman's fifth-year option did not get picked up officially. It was already known this would this would not happen. Right. But so he'll be a Raven for this year. I do not see any way he'll be a Raven in 2019. They don't have any more rights to him than any of the other 31 teams, as if anybody would really want that. <laughs> exactly. Um, but but he he needs to come through this year if he's going to have an NFL career, and the Ravens are going to have limited opportunities for him with the fairly complete set of wide receivers now they have on the roster they have a, have a lot of options now so unless there are injuries I'm, I'm seeing a difficulty in Brashad Perriman making the roster now we do have an exciting upcoming show on that Josh that I want to talk about do we have a moment for that now oh yeah yeah we're it's 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 Ravens offseason and I think uh we realized especially I think after we did an episode on the draft two weeks ago we realized that you guys the listeners want more of these during the offseason. So we're coming up with more topics, which is why we wanted to share about Orlando Brown today. And we've got a few more uh, episodes in the near future that we're working on. So, yeah, go ahead and let's share about what you're working on, Ken. So it's actually not what I'm working on. And I'm try- we're trying to do a single podcast where we can talk to two or three different analysts who have new methods. So I'm very interested in this. And when everybody has a new method, um, I love to see it. If So if you're out there on Twitter, uh, Contact me there or contact me via email posted on the on the RSR website. And let me take a look at what you've got. I'm very interested. I'm, I'm obviously not trying to steal your material, and we'd love to have you on the show to explain it to us. Uh, the guy who's worked on the Brashad Perriman thing is at Abukari on Twitter. And uh, he's, he's Michael Crawford and has done a really interesting job of looking at every single one of Brashad Perriman's targets in 2017. I'm sorry, not targets, every route he ran in 2017. So it's quite a, a uh, detailed thing. It goes a lot about contact and where he lined up and all this. I don't want to spoil it, but we're going to have him on our next podcast and, and talk about that. Yeah, yeah, that's one. And then I'm working on uh, getting a set up for a Lamar Jackson podcast because uh, I think we need to talk about the other controversial pick. And this week, there was an article on The Undefeated, which is one of the ESPN multiple websites, written, uh, the headline was, Lamar Jackson could change the NFL if he gets the chance. Huh. And a really good write-up by uh, Mina Kimes and former Raven Dominique Foxworth. So okay. I think we're going to be having Dominique Foxworth on here in the next week or so to talk about Lamar Jackson and uh, if he'll get a chance in the Ravens and really what type of impact he could have on the NFL. 
That's a great guest, Josh. So, uh, still, love to talk about it. Still working on scheduling. I'm pretty sure it's going to work out in the next uh, week on film study. Fantastic, Josh. I, and tell me whatever prep I need to do for that, buddy. We'll uh, we'll get into that. All right. We're just going to talk Lamar Jackson. So you can get all your okay. nerd stuff, and I'll get the exciting uh, <laughs> oh, fan, stuff, fan yes. part about the, let's cheer for the backup quarterback. <laughs> so we're going to be part. You you are contributing to the quarterback controversy in advance here. I can I can tell already. Hey, the, the Orioles aren't much to talk about, so let's get excited for this controversy. Plus, Domin- Dominic Foxworth is like the nicest guy in the world, so it'll be very, good to uh, talk to him and get his perspective. A very sharp guy, obviously a very senior in terms of the uh, players' uh, interaction with ownership as well. I I mean yeah he 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 fixed the NFL strike, then he went over and fixed the NBA strike. And then he got his like master's degree, and then he's now he's working for ESPN. He can do everything, and he gave me three Super Bowl tickets when the Ravens were in the Super Bowl. So he, oh, will, so he wow. will always be <laughs> the nicest guy I know for that. All right, very cool. So, all right, so that'll be in a couple of weeks. Uh, anything? I guess this is the same stuff you're working on at Film Study. Uh, again, what we talked about today. Go on over to Russell Street Report. Search film study, and you can see the article on Orlando Brown breaking out all these in details, the numbers and stuff to watch for. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot more information out there. Follow me on Twitter at Film Study Ravens. Josh, let's have them, let's talk about 336. Yeah, so uh, my show is Section 336, Baltimore Sports Talk, and a lot of Oriole talk. And now's a great time to get on over and talk about the Orioles. <laughs> uh, well, let's hope it'll become a great time. Because we at least now have to talk about whether or not to trade Manny Machado. Yes, you should. And whether or not to trade Adam Jones. Yes, you should. You should show everyone you can. Um, but actually, if you could, if people could go check out the section336.com, we've revamped it in the past week. And now it's we're starting to feature some blogs up there and some podcasts. And what I'm really excited about is this new blog we have on our website written by Willie Yan, who is a minor league player in the Orioles organization. He was drafted last summer. He did really good in the fall, had a really good fall league this year. And he is writing weekly blogs about what it's like in the minors. That sounds like really cool reading. It's, it's really fun. It's, he, he's down at extended spring training right now. He wrote about having to face Alex Cobb. I mean, think about it. You're, you right out of college. This is your first year under a pro team, and you have to go up against Alex Cobb. Now, that was when we thought Alex Cobb was good. What, was Alex Cobb complaining about the differences in the seams on the baseballs used in the minor league facility at that time? No, no. They had the major league, they had the major league balls down at, ex, at extended spring. Right, but uh, really neat. My, he's helping you kind of set the mindset of what these minor league players are going through and, and how they feel. So it's a neat read. All right. Very good. So, All right, Kent. Well, we will talk next week. Take it easy, Josh. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. 
and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first 2-in-1 removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big this summer with great deals, all in the Kroger app. Get red, green, or black juicy seedless grapes for $1.88 per pound with your card and a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free delicious 12-packs of Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.